success is financial freedom for majority of people in Nigeria and Africa. And to attain that, we need a level of financial education and financial access, which is why we are not just trying to build a digital bank, but trying to build a digital ecosystem. Silicon Valley likes to say that it's making the world a better place. But that's mostly bullshit. The problems that most famous tech companies are solving aren't real problems. But in other countries, developing countries, there are entrepreneurs who are building things that are actually changing people's lives in very practical ways. That's what this podcast is about. I'm David Madden, and this is The Revolution of Necessity. On this podcast, we share the stories of tech entrepreneurs in developing countries. These are people who are innovating in places where technology could genuinely make the world a better place. This podcast is supported by Omidia Network. Omidia Network is a philanthropic investment firm set up by the guy who created eBay, Pierre Omidia, and his wife, Pam. If you like this podcast, please take a second to rate us and to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Financial technology, or fintech. Over the last decade, it's been huge. And especially in the developing world, there's a big focus on financial inclusion, helping people get access to the financial services they need. Now that's cool, but access is just one step along the way. What we really care about is financial health, that people have the money they need. Today, I'm talking to a startup that's working on exactly this problem. Piggy Bank is a company that's using technology and lots of smart behavioural insights to help people in Nigeria save. They like to say, we make you save. And that's exactly what they've been doing. They're less than three years old, but already they've helped more than 70,000 users save the equivalent of $7.5 million. Piggy Bank's users love them, and they have a bold vision to be a new kind of digital bank that helps people throughout Africa achieve financial freedom. Odun Winnie is Piggy Bank's co-founder. Odun, welcome to the revolution of necessity. Thank you for having me. Now, Odun, I heard that you were a pretty precocious child. Is it true that you graduated from high school at just 14? Yeah, it is. It is true. Yeah, I am. Well, I have two lecturers, professors for parents. So my mom is a hard worker. And I, I think as soon as I could walk and talk, she's like, okay, it's time for school. What was it like to be graduating from high school at 14? Pretty normal. I would say I had some people in high school who were also 14 in the same class. Well, did so, you go to a like gifted student's high school or something? No, my parents wouldn't allow that. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, they, they actually really felt strongly that you should be around, for lack of a better word, normal people. I went to a Catholic primary school and a Catholic secondary school and really helped shape like what would become my life now and whatever discipline I possess now because... 
the the nuns there were they did not take bullshit. It was <laughs> it was a really strict environment, and I think it was really important to go through that. Yeah. At just 15, Odun enrolls in a computer engineering course at Nigeria's Covenant University. Starting school so young is an interesting experience. I wasn't as refined as some of the other kids. Despite what secondary school had done to instill some discipline, I was still super opinionated, still am. But like in a more adult way now, I think. Then it was mostly asked the question if I thought you were wrong. No filters. You're wrong. And I think you should be smarter. Oh, this is stupid. And people don't really respond well to that kind of criticism because there are people who have feelings. And so it took a while. The academic aspect was super easy, but the people-on-people interaction took some time. But ultimately, it gives Odun an advantage. Eventually, what I started to realize was that because I was so much younger, I had time to make like mistakes. Our, our environment here does not permit lots of mistakes. So people who graduate from university usually do so at 22, 23, at which people expect your life to start immediately. So I graduated at 19, going on 20. So it was like, you know, I'm allowed to do this. Like, I'm young enough. I have some time. So I was reading books about cryptography, artificial intelligence. In fact, I actually thought, I, at some time, I, I thought I was going to become a writer full-time, even though I was studying computer engineering, just really picked up on different hobbies and really shaped me. It's one of the few universities in Nigeria that emphasizes tech entrepreneurship. So how did going to Covenant shape your career path? Covenant University helped me meet the people I work with today, but okay. shaped my career path. Honestly, as I was going through school, I didn't have any thoughts as to being an entrepreneur. And that's the pure truth. If, if anyone had asked me at any point in Covenant University, what are you going to do next? My plans were clear. I'm going to get a master's. I'm going to get a PhD, all preferably in the U.S., and become a professor like my parents. Odun gets into two Ivy League master's programs in the US, but instead she finds something more exciting to do. After I graduated, I went home for two weeks and then I told my dad, I'm going back to Lagos to find a job. I got an interview with a publication. A publication job wasn't on the cards for Odun either. Instead, an old school friend sees her wandering around Lagos. I was just walking and wondering if I was going to take the job. And someone leaned out of a window. And his name is Sumto. He just leaned down like, Odu, yo, come inside. I, I entered. I'm like, you live here? He said yes. And I also work here. This is my office. And this is my house. Like, you know. And then he's, I was like, what are you doing here? And he tells me he's running a startup. And he's like, do I want to work with them? Sumto was a star engineer at Covenant. So Odun says, Sure. I don't remember thinking about it for more than like a second. My dad always told me, you want people to remember your name. You want people to feel like you helped them. So my parents really cultivated the culture of helping people. And so while I was in university, while I was in high school, I used to take tutorials. I used to feel good at knowing I made a difference in this person's grade. If I didn't help this person, this person might not have passed this well. There was a certain joy to just helping people understand something that they didn't understand before. Just like that, Odun starts working with Somto. Somto is building a discount platform, a sort of loyalty card program. Though that might not seem like the most altruistic goal, saving money can go a long way in a place like Nigeria. 
is discount helps people save. And I've, quality of life is something that I've always been conscious of and known that like is really low here. So if you can do something to help people save money, to spend less on something they want, that's not a bad deal. So I was willing to take that step, take that risk and just move forward with it. The market isn't really ready for this discount platform and it doesn't work out. While Odon is looking for a new job, she gets an idea for another platform that she and Somto could build. I did well in the interview. The interviewer actually told me so, but I didn't get the job. And when I asked the person why, he said because the one of the people that came for the job interview knew someone at the company. So um, some kind of nepotism went on and I didn't get the job. So I told Somto about it and he started to think about it. This shouldn't happen. People should get jobs on merit. And so we felt, we started like troubleshoot why. During our conversation, we realized that while my CV might have been well written, lots of candidates might have been disqualified because of their CVs. So the first platform that he built, that we built was CV Flash. People would submit their old CVs. We would polish the content and then generate a new CV for them. And then we started to get feedback from people. Like, if you can write my CV for me, why can't you send it to an employer for me? You should be able to figure out who is hiring and who fits my qualifications. So we started to build what became Push CV. In response to, to the, the demand CV. from your CV. customers, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. So it's one of the lessons we learned if, mm. from early on. The customers always shape the product. Initially, it was just I and Somto working on it. He with the coding, I with like the everything else. And then it started to increase. Organically, we actually grew to about 10,000 users. How do you go from this recruitment business to piggy bank? So in 2015, we started to get that traction. And then we realized when you get people jobs, being your customer kind of comes to an end, right? You are not really involved in the process anymore. So we decided, like, how can you further help people who are already in jobs? So this was something we were ruminating on towards the end of 2015, like really finding ways to retain people on the platform. Again, inspiration comes from an unlikely place. On Twitter, someone broke a wooden box and told like Twitter that she saved 365000 from putting 1000 in the box every day. Why do people go so crazy about this social media post? So saving is a big thing in Nigeria. You okay. have to save up for everything. Um, for like foreign people is the concept of having to save up for everything is a little strange because if you wanted to rent an apartment for instance you have first month's rent and last month's rent you're pretty good to go here you're not you have to pay a year or two in advance and usually if you are living on the mainland it's two thousand dollars three thousand dollars right and it's a lot of money because the average income here is about 200 to $500 a month, right? So people having to save that amount of money for just a house, just one part of their needs is really difficult. Because you got to pay all this money up Yes, front. you pay. And then when you don't, you don't just pay for the house. You pay 10% of the full fee for agency, for legal, for all of these trumped up costs that you really are not prepared for. And so a thousand naira a day is about, is about $3 a day. Yes, exactly. About $3 a day. So this... This woman saves a bit over a $1,000 Yes, a exactly. Year, right? Yeah, people were impressed. Discipline is really hard here. Like she was able to, in spite of everything, she must have had to do with money. Because even with the discipline, there's so many things to do. 
putting a one thousand naira every day, even though you need to pay for your electricity bill, you need to buy cooking gas into the house, and everything is really expensive. If you break a one thousand naira note in Nigeria, as they would say, it's gone. Like once you break it into change. It no longer exists. There's like a million things to spend it on. So that discipline is not a thing that many Nigerians have. This savings effort was especially impressive because 2015 is a tough year for the Nigerian economy. The currency falls and things get super expensive. So impressive, like, because everything had doubled in price. I'd been buying eggs for 25 naira for as long as I can remember. Now one is 50 naira. And that's saying something because even when it gets better, all of these things don't go back. They never do. So it just stays difficult. And as Nigerians, we're so resilient that we find ways to keep moving forward. And this woman's wooden box was like, it was symbolic of that. She found a way to put money aside despite the fact that there was really no money to put aside. And people were like, oh, if she can do it, I can. Twitter's a buzz and people get inspired. People start to sell wooden boxes on the platform, on, on Twitter, right? Like I make wooden boxes. I, we call in, in Nigeria, it's called Kolo. And it's like, it's unsustainable, right? Like it's wood. You can break it at any time. Like it requires like superhuman dedication to not break a wooden box that's just under your bed. All this excitement about saving gets the Push CV team thinking. Co-founder Joshua Chubizi has an idea. So Joshua is like, um, this might be the way we are able to retain people. They are not going to be on Push CV, but they will be within our like, ecosystem. You can help them save the money they make from their jobs because people really need to save. I have to confess, I was very skeptical. Like, why? Why should people not use their banks? And so he's like, we'll figure that part out. Odin and her colleagues are a bunch of engineers. So, of course, they know there must be a better way. I thought, okay, I want to do this, but I will not order a wooden box. It's too simplistic. It's too easy to break. Their idea? Create a digital version of that colo, that locked wooden box. An online savings account that includes barriers to accessing the money. They hack together a beta version. It automatically takes a specified amount of money from a debit account and puts it in a savings account. They test it with a couple of hundred users for a few months and then make some important improvements. At some point we had to do, like, when people started to, like, adapt to it, we had to take it offline for about a month for security purposes like and beef up the security because again we're in Nigeria super smart people we always find a way around it so like okay this has to be super secure so that nothing ever happens to people's money after making sure it's really secure they're ready to share it with the world I remember the first tweet we sent out about it went so wide what did that first tweet say? it just said do you want to save Right? Then use piggy bank, save automatically from your debit card daily, weekly, or monthly until you reach your target. And people started retweeting and people were asking under, what is piggy bank? I want more details. The DMs were flooded. And I was like, okay, so this might be something. Social media is pretty big in Nigeria. Maybe you could just explain that. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it is. We, we love Twitter. Like, we, we really do love Twitter. And you, you can make or break up a product on Twitter. And that's the truth. And it's not just the tech community that likes Twitter, No, right? everybody, everybody. Social <laughs> media is like our window to the rest of the world and we've really leveraged it to 
really promote because like it's kind of a unifying entity i don't really know how to explain it like if you make a mistake on social media it could kill your product and you know the way people suffer backlashes abroad and pr still solves it it doesn't fix it here once you're done you're done though social media is buzzing with excitement for piggy bank there's two big barriers building trust both with customers and the country's central bank. Udun, I want to ask you about putting this first version of the product together. To make this work, you had to get a partner, right, Um, who's going to hold the money for you. As tech people, typically, we didn't think through that until our investor, Mr. Alumide, was like, you guys know that the CBN will come after you for taking money from people. We're like, oh. And the CBN is the Central Bank of Nigeria, yes, right? exactly. The Central Bank of Nigeria. So we're like, oh. That's pretty strict. Yeah. They're, no, and they're not very friendly with tech, mostly because they don't understand it yet. So it's like, you need to cover your bases. So he actually took the lead on introducing us to the microfinance banks that I had to work with because we didn't know many. Why did you choose a microfinance bank the rather than bu- a regular bureaucracy. bank? Bureaucracy. Okay. You thought they'd be easier to work with? Yes. Bureaucracy in that the approval process we needed to launch the product quickly mm. would be shorter with the microfinance bank than with the big bank. And we, we were not wrong. We did shop it around to other commercial banks, but it was going to take a while. Mm. So we signed with the microfinance bank first so that we could roll it out. So you called the service piggy bank, but you weren't a bank. How did you get your users, all these people on Twitter who were interested in you, how did you get them to trust you? So we kind of kept it low-key, just word of mouth spreading, no push, no, we didn't put money behind marketing. We also thought that like um, mouth-to-mouth was the best kind of marketing for and initially for this kind of product because you can only convince people to put their money somewhere when someone they know has successfully put their money there. Like the big marketing comes after you've established a base. Like I said, customers, they build your product. Like they are the people you serve. So they are really important to the business. So throughout that year, it was really slow growth. But we we're also collecting data, studying customer behavior, um, how people withdraw their monies, how much they save, why somebody would suddenly increase how much they save, which meant like, what did we do different to make you trust us just a little more to give us more of your money? So even though the growth was slow, the information was so much and was so interesting. So this is super organic, right? You're, yeah. you're not putting any marketing no. dollars behind this We didn't even have marketing dollars. We were not like big raisers. So it was really slow, really steady, really people talking on Twitter, us retweeting the good tweets, really fixing the bad customer service complaints we had. Piggy Bank is already pretty compelling. It's offering a better interest rate than the banks. And it includes some features that really help users save. For example, it only lets customers withdraw their money for free four times a year. Outside of those days, if you try to withdraw, we'll charge you 5% of the amount you're trying to take out. Piggy Bank's been up and running for almost a year now, gaining users mostly from word of mouth. A pivotal moment comes on December 31st when the majority of users will want to withdraw their hard-earned savings. Most people, when they save, culturally, it's like, I'm saving for a year to get it at the end of the year, right? So we knew that December 31st was going to be a defining moment, right? Everybody had to get their money and everybody had to get their money on time. No mistakes. So all we did was people requested for their money and they got it immediately, immediately, immediately and they took to social media. 
it was like an outpouring. Piggy bank is the best. Piggy bank is the this. Piggy bank is the that. So we grew between December and January. We added so many new users. In this one month, Piggy bank grows from just over 400 users to thousands of users. The thing about it is mostly about the platform doing exactly what it promises the way it promises. And that was it. People started to push the platform and the thing that we noticed is they started to own it. Like if you ask, what is Piggy Bank? A user will answer you before we even do. Like they're so fast. I couldn't be more proud because it's like you hardly do something that affects people so much. We didn't have a lot of money. I would continue to say like it's not really about how much you've raised or it's, it's the goodwill that comes with doing something, solving a problem for people. Now, throughout 2016, Piggy Bank has been a side project for the Push CV team. But it now looks like it's got real potential. Odin and her co-founders decide they should give Piggy Bank a serious go. Was that a hard decision to make? Yes, it was hard. I, I feel very strongly attached to anything I work on. Was like thinking about growth, thinking about impact. The finance had the potential to just gives a lot more people financial freedom, which is the goal we're heading for. And recruitment and jobs is, has like a limited impact to literate people. Also significant, around this time, in early 2017, Piggy Bank gets accepted into a fintech accelerator run by Village Capital, a well-known US venture capital firm. It's a chance to get some expert help to really advance the business. It goes over three months, January to actually four, January, February, March, April, holds in Kenya, Ghana and Lagos here. What was the most important thing you got out of the Village Capital Accelerator program, Odin? Narrative. Narrative for me. Like before then, I'd go out, talk about piggy bank and just ramble on. You put in what you sell in one sentence. Village Capital actually was the one that crafted the piggy bank is a platform that helps Africans save automatically daily, weekly, or monthly till they reach a specific target. As that sentence is simple, but it took so long to get it together, right? We saw so many people test run it, changed it around, and eventually arrived there. Like the problems you're solving are real, but your audience may not always think so. They really drill down into understanding the audience, uh, knowing what to eliminate. If I'm talking to Nigerians, I don't really have to explain to them about the hardships of Nigeria. They get it. So spend time on the product. When you're talking to people outside of Nigeria, you need to explain the landscape. You need to draw them in, make them feel like they're in Nigeria first before you then tell them the problem you're solving. Village Capital is offering $50,000 to the two most promising startups in the accelerator. The only catch... The startups in the program have to decide who should get the money. Peer selection. And I'm like, wow. Like the thought of having to pander to people like is really exhausting. <laughs> but, but they made it clear that uh, we were all supposed to put aside our biases. It's not about who deserves the money. It's about which product meets some criteria that they set out and which products make the most improvements in that time. Quite luckily, by the end of April, at the end of the program, we were one of the two startups that got the investment money. So, Armed with $50,000 from Village Capital, the piggy bank team does some important product development. The first thing we did was to start building the apps. 
where's your mobile app? Where's your mobile app? So it was like, okay, these apps are super important. So we first banged out the um, Android and Apple um, apps, first of all. And the reception was crazy. And then we now launched a new feature, the Safe Lock feature, which helped us, for lack of a better word, retain more money on the platform. Tell us how the Safe Lock so feature the works. Safe Lock works like a fixed deposit. In Safe Lock on Piggy Bank, for instance, let me use an example, you've saved a millionaire right but out of that millionaire on on July 25th you need to use 500,000 naira out of that millionaire for something specific even though your money is on piggy bank you still can you can withdraw just pay 5% but like this 500,000 is important that you don't touch it so you then decide piggy bank safe lock this 500,000 naira till July 25th where did the idea for safe lock come the from the customers Again. Yeah, customers again. So the people keep asking, look, I know my money is in piggy bank, but if I if I consider the five percent penalty low enough, I'll just take it out. Right? So I don't want to touch this money. Can I put aside where I cannot touch it? So Odin, it seems like your strategy for figuring out how to help people save is listening to them. It's just listening to them. I firmly believe that if you listen hard enough, you figure out what people need and can just give it to them, right? You don't build products in isolation. Piggyback's customers have been central to its marketing. The team developed a really strong word of mouth strategy. Probably Piggyback stories. So when you've saved up to a particular amount, you're allowed to tell your story on the platform where we feature you, your picture, your name, and your piggy bank story. So after you write that story, a referral link is generated and people can then sign up on piggy bank. Did the person who tells the story, do they get any incentives? Yes, they, they get 500 naira per person who signs up. They oh. 500 naira into their piggy bank per person who signs up using their link. Okay. But the most important part of that is that people do not just want, here's your referral link. There's a personal touch there. You need to make your referral seem like genuine or from the heart. So people read the person's words. And then at the end of it, when you, if you're in press person story, you click on their link and sign up. And it doesn't really feel like someone just pitched the product to you. It feels like someone just told you their experience. So that's how we do, that's how we work with referrals. And that was an in-house development. And the testimonials section... Yeah, that's of the, the big of the piggy bank site. It's it's bananas. Like it's, the, it's a story on its own. It's like a product. It has like a thousand stories on there. Like there's yeah, so many more. I think. No? Yeah, we we clocked a thousand thing in January. Piggy bank's customer driven product and marketing strategy has resulted in very strong growth. The company has grown enormously, from just a few thousand users at the beginning of 2017. Piggy bank now in. September 2018 has 72,000 users. And those users have saved 2.7 billion naira, or about $7.5 million. Piggy Bank's goal is clear. They want to be a new kind of bank, a digital bank. But not just for those who are lucky enough to already have a bank account. To fast track this goal, they recently acquired a microfinance bank. So it's like getting a jump start on building our own kind of digital bank. So they will be like the back-end operations for Piggy Bank. Give the microfinance a chance to have banked customers and also a chance to break into the unbanked market. This is important because in Nigeria, there's about 46 million adults without bank accounts. There's a whole agency network aspect that we still have to explore that microfinance banks will give us a jump start on. 
Eventually, the path to becoming a commercial bank in Nigeria is a very difficult one. And you need experience. And maintaining the digital aspect, you need tech. So we would marry the, their own financial experience, our own tech experience, and kind of try to create a new digital microfinance bank that hopefully grows into a digital commercial bank. To achieve their vision, Piggy Bank needs to grow. And to do that, they've just raised $1.1 million, mostly from local investors led by Nigerian seed capital fund LeadPath. The plan? All about marketing and expansion. Like we've largely operated in Lagos, but it's time to start bringing in people from all over Nigeria. What's your vision for, for Piggy Bank? What does success look like? Success is financial freedom for majority of people in Nigeria and Africa. And to attain that, we need a level of financial education and financial access, which is why we are not just trying to build a digital bank, but trying to build a digital ecosystem. Not just banking, just every financial thing. Because the, the mission we have is to allow people attain financial freedom through financial discipline. Piggy Bank has started that and we think that all the other add-on products will set people on the path to financial freedom because it's not just about the saving, it's not just about investment, it's a healthy mix of everything. So that that would be success for us. Do you want to go beyond Nigeria? Yes, yes. Um, our expansion plans start from Ghana and they enter into South Africa. Why Ghana? Ghana because it's exactly like Nigeria. It's like, there's, there's no more difference between us except our accents, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that um, what the Ghanaians would say too? I, I don't think they would agree. <laughs> we have we have an unhealthy rivalry, but at the heart of it, it's most, mostly the same. And then South Africa, because they also operate a bank-led system, like Nigeria. where And then from there, after establishing well in those three countries, Nigeria, Ghana, and South Africa, we then begin to explore other models like Kenya where it's a mobile-led system. It'll be interesting to see how we can fit Piggy Bank to that kind of system. And then into the Francophone Africa because people don't build for Francophone Africa a lot yet. We would want to be one of the pioneers for that. Odun, it's been a great pleasure talking to you today. Um, I wish you and the Piggy Bank team all the best and uh, good luck. Thank you for, so much. Uh, financial Thank you. freedom. Thanks for listening to The Revolution of Necessity. If you enjoyed this podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you could help us out by telling your friends and colleagues about it and rating us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. We'd also love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Medium, and Instagram. All the links are on revolutionofnecessity.com. Or go old school and just send me an email, david at revolutionofnecessity.com. Thanks again to Omidyar Network for supporting this podcast. To learn more about what Omidyar does, check them out at omidyar.com. This episode was produced by Julia Alsop with production assistance from Ellie Lightfoot and Naomi Gingold and editing help from Sarah Barrett. Our engineer is William Smith. Music by Cody Mustache. Special thanks to ARL Studios in Lagos and Clean Cut Studios in DC. We'll have another episode for you 
very soon. Does Piggy Bank have an anthem? It's just the song of the moment, right? Whichever song is most popular at that time. You don't have a special song that like gets you through the tough times? What about you personally? Oh, me personally? I have, I have. Um, It's it's a song from Sia. It's called Bird Set Free. Bird Set Free. Yeah. And the secondary one is Andra Day's Rise Up. So those two songs... They actually, I play them every day actually because they actually wake me up in the morning. I'm, I mean, horrible morning person just feels like, uh, what is this day? So you listen to them they're on a loop and it just kind of makes everything seem a little better. 